This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 102. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am feeling so never better. Um, <laughs> I thought have... you were going to say something else there. <laughs> you, you surprised me. That Fooled was so you, didn't exciting. I? <laughs> All right. So this is a show about colored pencil where we discuss, you guessed it, colored pencil and the colored pencil artist. So, Lisa, we've got another voice message thanks to our good friends at SpeakPipe. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Yes. I was just wondering, um, does color pencils go bad? Um, like in years having them, do they ever go bad? Okay. So what do you think? Should we chunk all of our colored pencils into the compost pile? Well, I've got a set of Prismacolor, you guys are going to be jealous, from 1994 that are better to use and a higher quality pencil and work great than the new ones that I have. No, they work fine. Yes, you just I'm don't want to salivating over here. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's only a set of 48, if that makes you feel any better. It's not a oh, large okay. set. Uh, okay. I was a teenager and it was given to me by the school that I was going to. So, yeah. But... Those are in perfect condition. I love them. But as far as storing them, just don't store them in like an attic in the trunk of your car because they could melt and you're going to end up with a lot of problems there. But if you're storing them inside, no, they stay good for as far as I know forever. Yeah, that's the reason why we can use them in archival artwork. So, yeah, just think about uh, extreme temperatures, both cold and hot. And I would just try to store them properly. All right. So today, what are we talking about, Lisa? We are going to be talking about the Marco Refine colored pencils that you can find on Amazon. And after that, we're going to talk a little bit about what you want to look for in the review. Yeah. Now, don't be confused because I'm going to refer to these as uh, Marco um, Raffiné. Is that what they are? Yeah. I don't know. No, no. I just that, I think that sounds real fancy. Um, <laughs> so I like saying that. <laughs> no, it's got it's got that little accent over the e. So I you may be right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway. So, yeah, these are very inexpensive. The core on the pencils is about 3.3 millimeter. And if you compare this to a design pencil or a student grade pencil, which are typically around 2, 2.2, 2.5 millimeter, they're a little bit larger than that. But they're not as large as like the 3.8 millimeter or uh, some are even larger on the fine art pencils. And, yeah, a nod to what Lisa was just mentioning there. There are some concerns about whether you know you should consider these as a fine art pencil so we're going to talk a little bit about that so when i this is a pencil that i am asked to review all the time over on youtube and i kept saying no i'm not going to do it and finally it was like you know what let's just do it and i have that video and i can just link everyone i was not expecting much from these i was expecting them to be kind of ridiculous to work with it's 12.99 for a pack of 48 of these on amazon that's mm -hmm. 
pretty cheap. So my and then initial, twenty bucks for the seventy-two. I mean, yeah, I mean so, you're not so you're not paying a lot. Realistically, mm-hmm. you cannot expect these to compete with Polychromos, Luminance, no, uh, Prismacolor, anything really. Um, these are more comparable to maybe Crayola. That I would consider them great for coloring books, and that's really what on Amazon for the most part that they're marketed towards. They do say in a few areas they're good for fine artists. And no, not so much. But for Mm. coloring books, I actually did play with them on a page from my World of Warcraft coloring book because I'm an adult. So I, you know, video game coloring books. But I did shade a page in with that. And what I found on that paper was that I can't get quite as dark as I can get or as bold as I can get with, say, the Polychromos but it's a coloring book. Do I really care at that point? They layered, they blended, well, they semi-layered, and we'll talk about that later, but they layered a bit. They blended real surprisingly well. That's the part that I was shocked with, how well these blended, both right. with burnishing and odorless mineral spirits. I tested it, and they actually did fairly well on that front. My main thing would be that I just really struggled getting darks dark enough. The darks were just so muted, very translucent. It feels like they had too much of the filler and not enough pigment. Yeah, I did some test swatches on some Stonehenge paper and then on a Bristol board. And yeah, sort of the same thing you're talking about there. They're just It just feels like a lot of binders and a lot of wax to me. And very inconsistent between different colors of pencils. It, it is very difficult to layer. When I use Gamsel on different patches here, I had varying results. But again, to your point, I was surprised at how well some of the colors were able to lay down on the paper. And I, I really wasn't expecting that with such a cheap pencil. But let's talk about Lightfast for a second. Yeah, that doesn't um, exist. There's not much to yeah, talk about there's, there. There's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, conspicuous by its very absence of ever being mentioned by any reputable site. Dick Blick doesn't even carry these. The only reputable or fine art type of site that I even saw that had these was Jerry's Artorama. And it, you know, they didn't say anything about yeah, light. Amazon fast. says they are extremely fade resistant. That means they're Whatever not that fast. Means. It means we didn't yeah. test because these pencils are twelve ninety nine. You didn't actually expect us to test or right. to use light fast pigments. Be realistic. Right. That's pretty much what that means. But I'm, I'm translating for you guys. But yeah, they. Um, that's something to really consider. This is not yeah. something that if you are a fine artist, this is not a pencil that I would recommend for that. Now, does that mean that I don't recommend them for everybody? I initially thought that was going to be the case. I initially thought I would would kind of laugh and say, no, no one should ever use these. These are terrible. Not even to learn with because you can't learn real blending. You can't learn real layering. I didn't, after using them, I definitely changed my mind. Now, I did a sample of these where I did four blue circles, one with the Marco Refine colored pencils, one with Luminance, one with Polychromos, and one with Prisma. The Luminance, Polychromos, and Prisma were fairly similar in how dark I would get the values and how they blended. The Marco, you can't get your darks dark enough. That was my biggest issue as far as layering. And then again, you're limited on layering. It get There's so much filler, you can't really get them darker, but they blended beautifully. So the people for me who I would say these would be really good for would be kids are my main recommendation. If you have kids under 12, 
And the reason that I give that 12 as the cutoff is when teaching, I found that before 12, kids really didn't have the attention span to sit there and spend hours and hours and hours on the same piece to really focus on layering and detailing and the things that once kids hit about 12, they could start to do. It's like there's a shift in their brain around that age where suddenly they will spend hours layering, hours doing as they've been instructed where someone showed them how to do something and they copy that. The younger kids have a tendency to just kind of go off on their own and do their own thing and they rush through stuff, which is fine. I don't see any reason to try to curb that when they're kids. That's just how they paint and draw. Once they hit about 12, that definitely their mindset shifts. Once you hit 12, that's when I would have kids switch over to polychromos or even Prismacolor to something that is a higher quality. But before then, I think that these pencils would actually be very suitable for teaching kids layering and blending because they work well with if you want your kid to use odorless mineral spirits, if that's something you feel comfortable with, or even burnishing. I think that that is a really good start. And it's not like you really care if your child's work is light fast. You're probably not worried about the archival qualities there. So this may be a really good low-cost alternative for kids who want to start playing with pencils. Yeah, these are going to go in the sets for my daughters. They'll do them. They'll use those for schoolwork. But yeah, I mean, it, it's they are very comparable to some nice pencils, but but yeah, there's some definite issues with them. And the biggest one for a fine artist is you just can't rely on them because there's no light fast testing done on these. Yeah, and I wouldn't even, normally when I review pencils, I will do a full project just with that pencil. I wasn't going to bother with these. They can't, they can't do what the other pencils can do. They can give you a general idea of what it feels like to work with a pencil. So another person who might like these is somebody who's thinking, I might like working with colored pencils. I don't really want to invest $200 in a set to find out if I even like Mm -hmm. the motion of working with the pencil. This would also, I think that person would be good to check try these out, just kind of play around with them to see if the motion of working with a pencil, if that's something that's remotely enjoyable to them. For me, I'm going to keep these and use them if I ever have time again to work in my coloring book. I, I'm not going to waste my Prismacolor or my Prismacolor. <laughs> actually, maybe that's what I should use my Prismacolor. <laughs> a little Freudian no, wait, <laughs> actually, that's not true. When I did my sample where I was com- comparing all four pencils, the Prismacolor broke three times while trying to sharpen one of those pencils. I was like, this is why. Wow. This is why I don't play with you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, these these did sharpen a lot better for me than Prismacolor oh, Premieres yeah. did. Absolutely. I'm surprised by that, yeah. Yeah, I, I was laughing. I think but I had taken photos. Smaller. It was like, oh, and there's <laughs> the memory of back of why I, I switched to other pencils. So I'm not going to use these, use my polychromos, my luminance for a coloring book, because when I work in a coloring book, my goal is not to create a masterpiece. My goal is let's have fun and color things. So I think these pencils were very suitable for that. I had a lot of fun coloring in my fairy dragon from my Warcraft coloring book, because I'm an adult. So those, that's another thing that I think these would be good for. If you are interested in coloring books, because I know a lot of people do both, if you don't want to spend the money needed or the money that you would go through on a Prismacolor or a Polychromos, this may be a good alternative for you to have a less expensive pencil. That was really hard for me to spit out. Yeah. So, Lisa, let's let's talk a little bit then about the reviews that we see for these pencils and uh, other pencils and other art products in general. These have surprisingly good reviews. Deceivingly yeah, good reviews. And yeah. But from who? Yeah, exactly. That's the question. From who? It's not that the people leaving these reviews are necessarily lying. 
it's that they are not fine artists. They're not trying to create the right. work that we try to create. So in a coloring book, like I said, I was actually happy with them. Or for a child to use them, I would be happy giving these to one of my nephews and having them use that. Those, would I would give the product a good review for that. But... If I were to review them as a professional trying to make looking for a professional quality, I would give it a one star versus the five star I would give if I was considering it a coloring book pencil, a pencil for kids. So I think that's a big thing to keep in mind, because when you look through those reviews, people just absolutely love them. But they're mm-hmm. not fine artists. And that's something that no. you really need to consider when you're looking through reviews for art products in general. Right. Yeah. And if you're a hobbyist, I mean, yeah, these are a great choice. And actually, I would never recommend uh, someone who does coloring books to go out and buy, you know, uh, luminance pencils. I mean, it'd be ridiculous if if it's not something that, you know, you're really wanting to, you know, you care about the light fastness of the pencil. But these are a great choice for that kind of thing. But yeah, if if you're not looking uh, and if you're not being real careful about how you're looking at the reviews, how you're reading the reviews, uh, can be somewhat deceptive. So I think we can talk for just a moment then about what do you want to look for then when you're reading reviews and maybe in particular reviews on Amazon. I think it's going to depend too on the platform. So let's go ahead and mm-hmm. talk about right. some things with Amazon first and then we can move on. I want to cover some stuff on YouTube reviews, sponsored videos and things to just watch out for when you're looking at reviews, when you're honestly considering making a purchase for something. Okay, so on Amazon, I mean, we know that they go by a star rating, one to five stars. And, you know, typically what you do want to look for is you... You know, I pay attention to the star rating usually, and I think most people do. You you look at that when you're comparing products on Amazon, but when you start looking a little closer, you can tell I think pretty quickly if it's a shill or not. If the, somebody just has like overwhelming five star reviews, and you read the reviews, and they just sound like this this glowing review, like this is the most perfect product ever, you can pretty much be guaranteed it's probably a shill. And that is a fake review, being someone being paid by the the uh, product vendor. What are they called? I can't remember now. Uh, seller? By, by the seller. <laughs> yeah, whoever it is that uh, produces the product or is the third-party shipper of the product, the middleman, whoever it is that is involved with the, it, the uh, last leg of the logistics process with the product that person may be commissioning the person to create a shill. And actually, this is something that is done quite a bit in fulfillment by Amazon resellers. They Amazon has put a, a stop on that recently, though. But if you look back at even reviews that are a year old, one of the ways that a, that a fulfillment by Amazon reseller tried to get their product in the Amazon buy button is they would, they would talk to friends and family and they would sit, uh, put Facebook advertisements out there to get people back to their product, give it away free for the first few hundred or so in exchange for people leaving Amazon reviews. I don't know if you knew that, Lisa, but that 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 is what they used to do. They actually um, still do that as far as I know. Well, no, they, they, they're not supposed to. They said that Amazon came out and said that they don't want they're not going to allow that anymore. So I don't when, know how curious, much they're going to enforce that. that. Because I don't I'm know. contacted it was a few on months a ago. fairly regular basis by suppliers asking me saying, "We'll provide you with the product if you leave us a review." Yeah, that was that was several months ago that they said that huh. that and it's f- fulfillment by Amazon resellers is who that was directed to. Now, I don't know how the enforcement of that 
plays out. But that was something that they came down on and said, they're not going to allow that anymore. Well, and that's something to look at at these reviews, because a lot mm-hmm. of these reviews will tell right. you this. I, I was provided this product in order to leave a review. Now, when leaving the review, you are supposed to have the right to give it any star rating you want. It's not for a five star review. But let's be realistic. No, but for there's an inducement these, there for exactly. somebody to give a glowing review. They, you get a they free didn't product. pay for it. So that does, yeah. to an extent, even if you don't intend it to, it does skew your opinion on the product when you didn't pay for it with Absolutely. your own money. And as somebody Absolutely. who does sponsored videos, and I'll talk about this a bit more, that is a normal thing to have happen, whether you intend it to happen or not. So when looking at the Amazon reviews, either way, you're still going to see some of those. Um, whether they put a stop to that or they found a way around it, you still will see a lot of reviews with people saying that I was provided this product. And it's something that has irritated me with Amazon forever because I don't well, take those yeah. seriously. And it skews the five-star yeah. reviews or the five-star ratings. But but you know what? I appreciate it more when somebody does disclose that information, which well, they're supposed to. Yeah, but a shill, a true shill, though, is when somebody does not give that information and they just give a glowing review as though they purchased it themselves. That irritates me to know yeah. end. No, that most of them that I read on Amazon are pretty upfront about that they were, you know, given the product in order to review it. And this is my my honest opinion and that sort of thing. The problem is I still don't want to see those. I don't want those on Amazon Yeah, so myself. what do That's you do when favorite. you're looking at data, though? What What is a rule of thumb? You throw out the outliers, right? You don't look at the, the top half and you don't look at the bottom half. You look right in the middle to find out something a little more true about the product. And then you have to be critical and you're thinking about it and, and uh, you know, weigh that out and see if what is is being stated makes sense. Yeah, but yeah I use, that's what I, I regularly am checking the photos that people post. So in this case, if they've used a colored pencil, I want to see a photo of the work you've done with that colored pencil mm-hmm. to give me an idea. Not so much because I want to judge their artwork. I want to see what how this per- pencil performs, how it can work. And that's going to be the case for me for any art supply. Now, Amazon usually not going to have a lot of that for fine artwork. So that's where we tend to move over to YouTube to see what artwork people have done or Instagram or some of those. So this gets to be a little bit different because we do sponsored videos regularly on YouTube as well. Does that mean that you should completely ignore the person's opinion? What what do you, what should you look for on a sponsored video that you think is hopefully going to give you information that you want. Now, there is a difference between a sponsored review or a sponsored video versus a paid advertisement. So you've got two things there. If you've got a paid ad, like a full-blown, this is just, somebody will say this is a paid advertisement, all, they're not really giving you the negatives. They're not doing a review of the product. They're just telling you about the product for a a percentage, a payment of whatever it is. So those I don't necessarily take seriously at all. It's no different than seeing an ad on TV. It's not that person necessarily endorsing the product, saying it's good. It's just a paid advertisement. We see that a lot. And I don't judge people negatively for doing those. As YouTubers, you have to make money in order to be able to make more videos, as long as they're being upfront and saying this is a paid advertisement. Now, the other side of this is that you get sponsored reviews. Now, I've done a lot of these, and I'm contacted all the time by different manufacturers asking me to do these. For me, if I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie to people and say that I like something that I don't. And I can usually tell by looking at the product before it's sent to me if it's something I'm going to like or not. 
if there it I'm probably not gonna like it. I probably just won't do the sponsored video. I will just turn it down anytime I have someone come up to me with a sponsored video. And usually, I mean, they're offering normally one to $200 to do a sponsored video. Sometimes they'll just offer you the product for free, which if you're a YouTuber, that is not an appropriate payment. But um, as far as if they're going to pay you to review it, that sort of thing, I won't do it if it's something I know that I want to give a negative review to. If it's something that I might be negative on, I'm not going to take the money to make the video. Now, that doesn't mean I won't go buy it myself and then give it a negative review. We all know I've done that. But I don't feel comfortable myself working with a company that it's a product that might I might not otherwise go with. That's just me. Not all YouTubers do that. And so I think that it's required by law. We have to disclose if it was a sponsored video or a paid advertisement. So that you should know if it's one or the other. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the person is lying. What I typically do if it's uh, if I'm reviewing something that's sponsored, I mostly highlight the things that I like about it. So when I review things, I will mention if something is negative or if I like it, but I tend to lean more towards the positive, the things that I liked about it, if it's a sponsored video. So that is, for me, again, I tend to go with things that I, a product I've already used, a product I know I'm going to like. Not all reviewers on YouTube do that. And I think that you just want to kind of watch their history as every single thing they've ever reviewed, a nonstop positive, everything's amazing. You should run out and buy this product. It's perfect. I love everything. And they do that about everything they've reviewed. Then that may not be somebody you really want to take too seriously in their reviews. When it comes to art supplies, the thing that I like in a review is to see the product in action. I want to see the artwork created from it. I want to see, you know, visualization there. I don't want to hear somebody just saying, yes, I liked this. No, I didn't like this. I want to see why. Show me why. It's art. You should be able to show me the project. And I think if you can see the work done with that art material, that's going to give you a pretty good idea as to how honest the review is. Yeah. And with these pencils, if you look on Amazon, some of the pictures that are in the reviews are adult coloring books. All right. Good information, Lisa. Thanks for talking about that for a little bit there. And, you know, one of the things that I I try to look for in a YouTube review, I personally like it when it isn't sponsored, just a personal preference. I, I like it when it's not sponsored or uh, the person hasn't been given the product. I like a just a gut response from somebody after they've used a product. But, you know, that's a personal preference. I do understand YouTubers do have to make a living and they do need to be paid for uh, doing reviews. And that, that whole business model makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, I agree with your point uh, that you want to look for somebody who seems balanced in everything that they say uh, that they uh, review and and seems positive all that you know seems takes things in a positive way or tries to put a positive spin on things anyway even if they do have something negative to say about it another example of things to watch for are blogs and you get this again with youtube is the person trying to sell you the product like with me i've got my amazon affiliate links yes it helps me it helps me to continue my channel if somebody uses that but what i've seen a lot of people do is they will have art blogs or art supply blogs, and they only allow their writers to praise whatever the product is to the moon. If they say anything negative, they may not get the sell from their Amazon affiliate link. So if you go through some of these blogs and every single yeah. so 
supply they've ever reviewed. All right. of them are these glowing, amazing reviews. And it's like, that's n- when every single thing you've ever reviewed yeah. is that yeah. positive. I'm going to question. It's not that the positives aren't necessarily true, but there's always going to be some of those negatives. So where are those negatives? Where are right. the things right. that you might not like about it? And so you get this a lot on blogs that especially the, if you see those Amazon affiliate links. Now, I'm not saying Amazon affiliate links are bad. Like I've said, I use no. them. Yeah, you use them. I use them as well. But just let that make you think. Yeah, but let's be honest about it. I mean, it's it's pennies. It's not a lot of money yeah. either. It's it's you know, it's just a way. It's a gesture on the part of whoever is trying to support you to say thank you for what you're doing. Is all it is. Yeah, because you're not charged anything more if you use someone's Amazon affiliate link. You're charged the same amount. It's just you get uh, the uh, commission credit through your affiliation with Amazon. Is all it is. But. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, you, you you have to look for someone who you trust and is going to be uh, balanced in whatever they discuss and anything that they talk about. Uh, I think you. I think you know we're not we're not stupid people. We can we can tell that pretty pretty quickly. I mean, it's kind of hard to be fooled. I think especially when you're talking about videos and a blog. You yeah, you can see over time if they've been you know consistent. I guess if you see as much negativity as you do, if you see a balance, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. In any review I see when it's all, like we've ta- we keep saying this, but if it's all positive, if there is nothing yeah. about that product that they dislike, it kind of makes me think, okay, are you just trying to sell the product or is that what you really believe? I mean, it may be right. possible. That may be what they really believe. I'm not saying it's not, but usually there's going to be something that is, yeah. that you may not love. And so that's just something that I kind of watch for, especially if, Every single thing they ever do is nonstop. I love this. All right. So let's get back to these pencils really quick before we go, Lisa. And the Marco Raffine, or how did you pronounce them? Refine. Refine pencils. I I don't know how to pronounce them. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So bottom line, I think Lisa and I probably agree on this one. Good pencils for children. Probably not good for a fine artist and no light fast ratings on these pencils. They have a small core. Uh, they they just don't hold up uh, to a fine art pencil. So in closing, I wanted to talk about this nifty little tool that I found recently. Nifty. Look at that. I don't usually use that word very often. Okay, this is called the Molotow. Speaking of things I don't know how to pronounce, M-O-L-O-T-O-W. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can head on over there, sharpenartist.com slash podcast. This thing, it's it's called a Graphics Art Masking Liquid Pump Marker. I know it's a long name, but what it does is it's got a two millimeter little fine point on it. And you just, it's got this little felt tip and you just press it down and it will release the product onto your page. And it's, it's a masking fluid is what it is. And it comes out in this little liquid form. It's so easy to control. You know, I'm used to using like a ruling pin and trying to, you know, adjust that thing to get it just right. But this thing is so simple to use. And the cool thing about it is the tip is exchangeable and these are refillable too. And they come in a variety of sizes as well. So it's kind of cool. Have you ever used this, Lisa? No, I was going to ask, have you actually used it? Because those have such yeah. horrible reviews. Yeah, I... What's that? Yeah, the reviews. I was looking at those and I read a lot of the reviews and thought, are you serious? Yeah. No way. No, I used it and I like it. Um, That's good to know. That is weird. I don't don't see these negative reviews. Huh. Okay. Speaking of reviews. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, now I'm going to well, have to try it. Yeah, no. So, yeah, see what you think. Are you looking at Amazon or uh, on Blick? I think Blick? that's where I looked at on yeah. Amazon. Well, I'm looking at Blick, and they have they have good reviews, uh, modest reviews. I, I think that maybe there's some something to be said about how it's used or something because it doesn't recommend using it or leaving it on your paper for more than i think it says two days you know lift it from the yeah, surface in I two days that's where a lot of people that kind are of having thing. problems I see yeah i Amazon. think that's probably yeah. what's going on you know so you, so you got to kind of you know read the directions and follow them and you know it's for a quick thing it dries super super fast so it's for something that you know you're like oh i want to protect this part over here but i don't want to get the masking fluid out i want to go through all the trouble you know just put this down very quickly run through that area that you need to uh, color and you don't want to uh, mess up you know you want to preserve that other area and then just peel this off and you're done i mean it is so quick and easy and i think that's the use for it so yeah look Look at those reviews. Yeah, and I'm gonna go think with about test the use it case. yourself because here's a review. Yeah. This one says that it leaves a blue tint on the paper. No, so it may not play nice not with true. all paper. And yeah, yeah, that may be. It, yeah, that's a good point. It may be the paper. Not sure. Yeah, some but people. I would think really that like a highly absorbent uh, paper, like a watercolor rough paper or something like that, may not be a good choice for this. So if you guys have tried this this ruling pen, it's not a ruling pen. It, this masking liquid. Uh, pump marker out we'd love to hear about that or anything regarding what we talked about today we would love to hear about that you can contact us podcast at sharpenedartist.com and you can reach out to us on twitter or any probably any other social media site that's popped up today we're at lockery and sharpened artist and we will talk to you guys again next week bye Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Let's have fun and color things. Let's have fun and color things. I like just a guttural, a guttural.